Can you believe that 2017 is here? It's amazing what the flip of a calendar can do for people's hope and anticipation and excitement. If you've looked over the last few weeks over Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat or whatever one you're doing now, it seems like everybody was just distraught over 2016. It was this feeling of despair for some reason. I don't know if it was because their favorite celebrity passed away or whatever it was. There was a variety of different feelings and, and seeing in different age groups of, hey, 2016 was a difficult year. And so I don't know about you what your 2016 was, but there's in all of our years, there's ups and downs, isn't there? And there's our ability. Some of us, we have a very optimistic ability and we find the good in everything. And then others of us, sometimes our natural inclination is we can find the, the bad even in the good. And so, but something about the new year is this new anticipation, this new excitement. So I hope that you're there, that you're excited about what God has in store for you in 2017. So as you look back over 2016, just think for a moment, reflect, where were those moments where you made some boneheaded decisions? Any of you got any of those? Some of you are laughing and smiling and going, yep, those come quick to mind. You made some decisions and you're like, yes, I, you may even even today be reaping the repercussions, right? Because we reap what we sow. Okay, so think about that even as you think about 2017. What is it that you want to reap in 2017? Well, if you want to reap X, then you've got to sow this. So if you want corn, then you've got to put down corn seed, right? I'm not a farmer, but that's what I've been told. Okay? You've got to put down what you want. So look back over 2016 and look and say, hey, my relationships. What did I sow in my relationships? Was it good things? Was it bad things? 2016 in your finances, maybe you're at a place where you're overextended. You were extravagantly generous to a fault. You need to fix me? You're good? Okay. 2016, I'm unfixable today. 2016 in your finances, where did you overextend? Where did you overextend in your relationships? Maybe you had a change in career, whatever that is. Just look back over those and think about those moments where maybe you chose to walk through a door or you forced a door open and you threw yourself through a window that maybe God wasn't calling you to do, but you thought, this is what I want, this is what I want it, and how I want it, and I'm going to make sure that I get what I want. And so you're reaping the consequences of what you sow. But also think about what are the good things. Look to your right and to your left. Maybe your family and friends are here, and those are some good things, right? You think back, and hey, we, did, we weren't perfect, but hey, here we are, and we're still working, and we're on a journey, and we have some days ahead for us, and excited about the opportunities. And again, think back to saying, hey, what do I want the end of 2017 to look like for my friendships, for my marriage, with my kids, whatever that is, and begin to think about what do I have to begin to sow so that I can reap the rewards. Again, it is what we, what we sow is what we reap. Think about this idea. Some of you have this thought of, hey, I have reaped too many buffets. I've sowed too many buffets, and so here I am reaping, right? One of my favorite phrases that one of a friend of mine told me one time, if you're a fat, greasy dude, then you eat too much fat, greasy food. None of you have that problem, okay? Very good. Christ in me is more powerful than the appetites in me. Christ in me is more powerful than the appetites in me. I probably just, just write that down. Think about that as we go through some scriptures here in just a moment. I think you're going to see that that's the overarching theme 
in these scriptures. That this is the mystery of the good news. That this is the mystery of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Is that when we enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ, that he takes residence and the person of the Holy Spirit resides with inside of us. And so that before we had a relationship with Jesus, it was all about us. The only purpose, the only thing we sought to fulfill was about what I want and what I needed. That was totally where my eyesight was and your eyesight was. You could not crave anything of God because you weren't his children and he hadn't placed himself with inside of you. But now as children of God, he's taken residence with inside of you. And this is just a journey of retraining and recreating, giving you new habits and new appetites. And so that Christ in me, the one that has taken residence within me, is continually working through his grace to create new appetites and new desires and new cravings that truly bring life. Because we understand and we know as we look back over the years and we've chosen to sow the things that we think that we want and then we take a bite of it, it's not fulfilling, it doesn't give us what we truly want, it doesn't provide the nutrition and life-giving substance that we need Then we turn back and we say, God, hey, listen, I recognize that I've chosen things that are appetites of mine and not of you. Christ in me is more powerful than the appetites in me. As we begin this new year, let's just take a moment and reflect back over some scriptures. Some of you have been in church in a long time. You, You know them well and you've researched them and you've heard a lot of stuff. I just want us to remind us as we begin the new year. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verses 14 through 17. Christ's love controls us. Some of your passages may say compels us or moves us. It's, the, it's what motivates us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that all have died to our old life. Those old habits, those, those old ways, those old thoughts that his thoughts are not our thoughts. And so, again, as he takes residence and we become a temple of God, we, we have different priorities and a different purpose and a different mindset. We have this old, have died to our old life. Verse 15. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. This is that upside down thinking that we're now not about us, but we're constantly looking outward and being extravagantly generous. It's not about me anymore. It's about everyone else. Instead, they will live for Christ, who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. Now, this is hard to do, isn't it? The human point of view. We're, we're in, a, in, a, in a culture, in a setting here where we evaluate livestock And so we're really good at seeing a cow or seeing a sheep or seeing something and being able to say, hey, listen, I can evaluate this and tell you. And so we've kind of carried that mindset over into our relationships with people. And so you walk into ATB and you're like, oh, honey, did you not know you're going out in public? Right. And so we're really good at making those evaluations. And by the way that people are dressed or by the whatever that is, as we begin to evaluate their heart. When it's really, truly, there's no way that we can know their heart until we really sit down and get to know them and know their story. Begin to see where God has brought them and brought us, where God is taking them. At one, po- at one point, we thought it was Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. Now, this is the beauty of being a follower of Jesus. Is that we can talk to people until we're blue in the face and say, hey, I want you to experience this Jesus I know 
We can talk about it. We can sell them. We can do all that stuff. But we understand because we know him, we understand that the only way that they'll get to experience the Jesus that we've experienced is if they taste and see and actually say yes to him and invite him to take residence with inside of us. Because the knowledge all throughout Scripture, whenever it talks about knowing, we have a tendency to think that it's this head knowledge because we're an education Western thought is that we want to gain all of this information, and the more information that we have, the better off we are. And in many ways, that's true. But here in Scripture, whenever they talk about know, it's this experiential knowing that only comes from having Jesus Christ take residence with inside of us and His grace manifesting itself with inside of us, and it begins to ooze out, and it begins to change our thoughts. It begins to change the way that we see people. It begins to change the way that we evaluate people. It begins to change the seeds that we sow, because the seeds that we're sowing are not about me anymore, but they're about others. And doing life and doing relationship, we begin to get outside of ourselves. And this experiential type knowing of once you do it, you get to see it. And once He begins to move in you and change in you, begin to see how deep the love of God loves God is for us. Verse 17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. And again, this, this idea of a new person is one that's unique. It carries with it further that idea of knowing and that experiential knowing. Is that literally that whenever we come into relationship with Christ for that first time, we are melted down. We are melted down and a new substance is injected in, which we understand and know is the, the Holy Spirit. God Himself takes residence with inside of us and it builds us back up into His image, that we are different and the substance. And whenever even people see us, we may look the same on the outside, we, whatever, but there's something different about us. This is the beauty of the marriage relationship, is that when two become one, there's a mingling of the souls. This is why as a student pastor, I would tell students all the time, I was like, listen, that moment that you hold hands, you're making a little bit of a commitment. There's a little bit of a mingling. We understand we're, we're mostly adults in here. We move from hands to the intimate place of, of kissing. That's a whole other level, right? There's, there's a, a little bit more of the mingling of the souls. And if you go to that place on the wedding night, and there's the, the meaning, truly a mingling of the souls that are attached together and can never be brought apart. Once that unity is there, it's there. It cannot be broken. Even divorce, any of those things, there's still a mingling of the souls that's happening. And it cannot be broken. This is what the Scripture is talking about, is that we are melted down and Christ has been married with us and brought up and there's been a covenant relationship. And now there's this mingling of the souls that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We're the temple of the living God. And once you know that you know that you know that God resides with inside of you, nothing else matters. Your appetites, the things that you desire and the things that you crave, you just you understand that all those other things that they're fleeting and they do not satisfy. It takes us back to that moment in the garden when Adam and Eve are there and Eve looks at it and it says it's pleasing to the eye. She bought into the lie and she took a bite and immediately she realized that it was pleasing to the eye but it didn't satisfy the soul. How many things in 2016 look pleasing to the eye, 
and we took a bite and immediately knew it wasn't satisfying to the soul. You are a new creation. God did not make junk when He made you. Galatians 2.20 carries this idea as well of, listen, the old self is gone. You've been crucified with Christ. You no longer live. But Christ in you, this, this oneness of you now live together. And so different purpose, different ideas, different viewpoints. You see things and see people differently. People aren't things to use. They're people made in the image of God. Not to be evaluated by human standards, but be evaluated by the way that God sees them. And they're beautiful masterpieces. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 10 says it this way. Can you pop that up for me? Ephesians chapter 2. God saved you by His grace when you believed. And you take, can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. How many of you liked getting gifts at Christmas? It was good, right? It's good to get something. Even if it's a little small, you're like, hey, somebody thought about me. Okay? It's good to get a gift. Keep going there. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done, so none of us can boast. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew. Again, this idea of being melted down and being brought back, the oneness. So we can do good things He planned for us a long time ago. This word masterpiece literally is poema or poem. We get our word poem from it. And so it's a unique writing. It's an individual stylistic writing. And so whenever... Paul here is talking about you are God's masterpiece. He's saying you yourselves are a unique, one-of-a-kind poem, piece of artwork, or absolutely even a tapestry. So if you've ever seen a tapestry, I've been able to travel around the world, and so one of the places that I've walked into some markets and been able to see some beautiful tapestries, and you look at the front of the tapestry, and you can see this beautiful artwork. But if you turn the tapestry around, you see mangled mess. And so some of us, that's how we see our lives, is we're constantly viewing the backside of the tapestry. You can see this mangled mess, and you're like, I can kind of see something, and we're trying to figure that out. And all the other side, God says, listen, I want you to concentrate here and to look at the beautiful masterpiece that I'm making out of you. Too many times we're focused on the backside and beating ourselves up and wondering, and those are the lies, those are the things that Satan is telling us, hey, you're not finished, you're junk. You've been messed up. You've sowed some wrong seeds. You're reaping. And the whole time God is saying, listen, I've made you a unique, one-of-a-kind masterpiece. Focus on how I've created you. Know that I know you and that I love you. God does junk. Christ in me is more powerful than the appetites in me. So I've invited some friends this morning. They're going to do a skit for us. They're old friends of mine. They're called the skit guys. And because I can't afford them, we're going to watch a video clip of them, okay? Ephesians 2.10 says that we are God's workmanship, His masterpiece. I don't know about you, but when I get up in the morning and look in the mirror, I don't really see a a masterpiece, you know? I mean, maybe a Picasso. It's like, (laughs) but I want to be His masterpiece. I want to be everything he created me to be. 
And so I go to him in prayer and I say, Dear Heavenly Father, do whatever it takes to mold me into the image of your Son. Make me your masterpiece. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hi. Whoa. Who are you? I'm God. You said the prayer, so here I am. You're not God. No, I am. You said the prayer. That's how it works. Okay, okay. If you're God, then uh, make it snow in here. You know what? I really don't want to make it snow in here because it'd get kind of yucky. Yeah, you're not God. Why do you say that? God wouldn't say yucky. I do. It's a Greek word. Oh. Okay, okay. Um, if you're God, what does Lamentations 15.9 say? Lamentations is only five chapters. It's a very short book. Oh. Why was it so short? I was tired of lamenting. Oh. Okay, okay. If you're God, who's going to win the World Series this year? I'm really not into playing games. Why are you so much into playing games? You are God. What gave it away? You answered my question with a question. I did? <sighs> yeah, I do that. Don't I? I did it again. <laughs> Step right up. Here we go. Okay. All right. Hey, what are we doing? I'm going to make you my original masterpiece. This is the process. Oh, okay. Got it. Yeah. Wait, wait. What are these about? These are the tools I'm going to use to make you into my original masterpiece. Okay. Hang on. Yeah. I thought you were a carpenter. That's my son. Step right up. Here we go. Okay. Oh, hey, God. Mm-hmm. How do you know what to chisel away and what to leave? I take out everything you like that doesn't belong there, kind of like dead weight. Ooh, speaking of dead weight, could you chisel right here? It showed up when I was in my 20s and grew around and became back fat. I don't even know why you created that, but I can't get rid of it. I mean, I've tried everything. Like, I tried running. I tried lifting weights. My wife actually talked me into trying Pilates. That was awkward. But I can't get rid of it. So if you would just chisel around here, and then, you know what, if you chisel a line right here and maybe... Four to five, maybe eight lines right here. That would be awesome. You're funny. You made me that way. I also made the platypus. The platypus? All I'm saying is most of my children, when it comes to this process, they just want to talk, but they don't want to do the work. So do you want to talk or can I chisel? Talk, chisel. No, talk, no, 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 no. I choose the chisel. All right. Through my Holy Spirit, I'm going to bring up things in your life that I want you to work on. Like your anger. I created the emotion, but you use it in the wrong way. Um, Compare yourself to others instead of me. You tell little white lies because you want to people please. You're lazy. But you try to fool everybody by looking really, really busy. You have a problem with lust? Time out. (laughs) I don't really have a problem with lust. You don't have a problem with lust. No, I can do it anytime I want. Hang on a second. I mean, I, I, I got to admit, I, I feel like you've been doing some great work, and I'm looking pretty good right now. All right, when you look in the mirror, who do you see? I see me. Okay, then I need to keep chiseling away because ultimately you and other people need to see my son. Okay, don't misunderstand me. It's just um, when I look more like Jesus, people get uncomfortable around me. I mean, even my church friends, and they're like, oh, you're holier than thou, you know? And, and I, don't, I don't think I'm supposed to make people uncomfortable. So what you're saying is you'd rather play God in certain areas of your life than for me to be God over your whole life. That is not what I said. It's what you meant. Yes, it is. Um... It's hard to talk to you. You know everything that I'm thinking. I'm just saying you've done some great work. Maybe we take a break, a sabbatical from each other, you know. I'll stay right here and then, you That's know. That's just that you never just stay right there. You're either moving toward me or away from me, but never you just stay. What you're doing is called control. Do you want to control things or life or can I chisel? Control, chisel, control, chisel. No, chisel, chisel. All right. But can we chisel where I want? That's called control. Okay, I'm sorry. The 
this right here, this secret sin that you keep running to whenever you're hurting, angry, lonely, tired, that you think you're fooling everybody, but it's making you a whitewashed tomb. Are you ready for me to chisel this out of your life? Yeah. See, it's a process. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. It's your whole life. And you care so deeply about what other people think of you. It's rubbish. It's garbage. The greatest thing you're ever going to hear is at the end of your life, when you hear me say, well done, good and faithful servant, that's what you keep your eye on. That's the prize. Heavenward. Oh, that hurts. Oh, trust me. This hurts me more than it hurts you. Right. Okay. I'm sorry. I just, I don't think you understand this pain. Pardon me? You're asking me to sacrifice a lot, God. Don't. Talk to me about sacrifice. I know all about sacrifice. I sent my son to die on the cross for pain, for sin, but I also did it for another reason, to give you freedom. Do you know what insanity is? Insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting different results. And there are things that you've been doing for years, these empty wells that don't have anything to offer. You've been going to them and it's insane. Allow me to chisel them out of your life. Allow me to produce character when you keep focusing so much on your image. Okay, but I was thinking. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. Okay, but if we went another way. Your ways are not my ways. Oh, I can't. You can't what? I, I, I can't be good. That's your excuse. That's your excuse is that you can't be good. It's not an excuse. I can't. Oh, my child. In the beginning... I said it was good. I made you good. Be good. Yeah. But you and I both... What? No, what is it? Nothing, okay? You wouldn't understand. I, God of all the universe, wouldn't understand something one of my children has to say. Try me. Sister... I let you down so many times, God. No, my child. You were never holding me up. I hold you up with my victorious, righteous right hand. Never the other way around. In this relationship, I hold you up. Okay. Chisel away. Just, just be prepared for what you're going to find in there. Because I know who's inside there. Because I get up every morning... And I look at him in the mirror. And I hate who I see. Because deep inside there, this, this, this little kid who gets up every morning and dresses like an adult. And I go out and I, and I, I try to do what I'm supposed to do, but I can't, okay? I can't be who everybody else expects me to be. God, I can't even be who I want to be, much less who you created me to be. And so inside is this scared, stupid little kid. But you chisel away, just... Be prepared. You have listened to so many voices for far too long that were not for me. And you have totally bought into the lie, haven't you? You think you're junk, don't you? When you lay your head down at night after you've done the dance to get the hug, you think you're junk. Listen to me. I don't take time to make junk. How can I show you that my love for you stretches as far as the east to the west? That How can I show you that my love for you has no end? I know. Reach your back pocket. What? Reach your back pocket. Why? Are you arguing with me? Reach your back pocket. Oh, God. Yes? 
I just went, God, I'll do that right now. You're just saying my name in vain. Come on. It's, it's a name. It's a saying. It's a name above all names. It's more than a saying. It's more than a name. I want to teach you something about my name. Reach your back pocket. God. You know what that is? Yeah, it's a uh, it, it's a note. I, I wrote it when I was in college. How did you get this? Hello. Oh yeah. Go ahead, read it. I love Angie. Other side. Sorry. Dear God, did I hear you right today? Did I hear you say that you love me? Even though you and I both know I've messed up so many times. Did I hear you say you want to use me? And I feel so useless. If you'll take me and use me, then. God, I give you all that I am. Take me. I love you, God. I love you too. And I love you too much just to leave you where you're at. This salvation that you hold, I don't want it to be some sentimental gush or some head knowledge. I want you to work it out in every detail of your life. And when problems come and chaos happens, don't look at them as a, as a prison. But look at it as a father discipline this child. A father disciplines the ones he loves. I know, but it's going to be tough. Yes, but you bought into life thinking everything was going to be easy when you gave everything over to me. There will be trouble in this world. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. I want you to do something. I want you to look out there and I want you to say, Tommy is God's original masterpiece. Tommy is God. No, not the way you see yourself or you try so desperately for others to see you. But maybe for the first time in your life, the way I see you, the way I created you. Tommy is God's original masterpiece. Yes, you are. And so are you. God doesn't make junk. You are an original masterpiece. God's not done with you. Whether you're 2 to 102, 105, God still has plans and desires to use you. He's still working. He's still chiseling. And as we know, if we've been doing this long enough, sometimes it's more painful than others. Because there's secret stuff. There's stuff that we've held on to for a long time. But as his children, I pray that in 2017, that you would listen to his voice. One of the things at our house that Becky can get, get to me from across Super Walmart, all she's got to do is go, Psst, and it pierces through. Why? Because she's trained me to listen to that voice. Listen, God is going to you too. In the busyness, the hurriedness, the closed offness, the whatever it is that you've got to where you just 
plug up your ears and you don't listen to the voice of God for whatever reason because you feel like you've jumped, because you feel like you're at a place where He wouldn't allow you to be in His presence. Whatever lies that you've bought into, you are His child. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter your heart, your thoughts, your mind, He desires an audience with His children. He wants you to talk with Him. He wants you to speak with Him. He wants you to crawl up into His lap and to whisper what is in your heart and in your mind. Because you're not junk. You're His one-of-a-kind masterpiece. And He has great plans and great desires for you. Today you stand at a new day. 2016 is over. 2017 is here. And you have great hope and great aspirations for 2017. For those of you that are followers of Jesus Christ and have said yes to Him as His children, that begins in the lap of your Father. And saying to Him, what are your dreams? What are your aspirations for me? What do you desire for me? Maybe it is to chisel away some anger. Maybe it is to call a brother or a sister or a mother or father, whatever that is there's some hard things that maybe you need to do that he wants to when he chisels away it's not just losing dead weight but it's bringing freedom if you've experienced freedom in parts of your life you know that that is life giving no longer evaluate yourself by human eyes but evaluate yourself by the eyes of the father his masterpiece would you stand with us this morning we continue our time of of worship and singing. The most authentic thing that you can do this morning is say, God, I'm not perfect. No perfect people are allowed here, right? But we're still God's masterpiece. Reminded of the story of Michelangelo that he created the greatest masterpiece statue ever made by David. And it was marble that had twice been turned down by other great artists. One of the greatest of all time, he saw a marble and he said, Listen, God, you've called me to do this. I'm going to chill this out. And he made what many consider the greatest piece of artwork ever by something that had been passed over twice before. Maybe you feel like and sense that you've been passed over before. God the Father, the greatest artist of all, says, I am calling you. I want to chisel and do work on your heart and your soul and your life. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for a new year. We thank you for new opportunities. Father, you already know what 2017 holds for each one of us. Because you've planned them and you've been involved in them long ago. Father, we stand here with great enthusiasm and excitement about what is before us. Father, I just pray in this room that we, one, we know that we know that we know that we know you. And that we've invited ourselves to have a relationship with you. And have received that free gift. If not, that we would do that this morning. That also, that we would be reminded that we are your masterpiece. You don't make junk. May we listen to your voice. And we hear your words through all of the lies, through all the stuff of the world. And we tune that out because we're listening and straining to hear you. 
Father, may we sow the seeds that you have for us so that we can reap what it is that you want us to reap in our world. For it's in your Son's beautiful name that we pray. Amen.